Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, sports fans. My name is Jake Izuski. You can call me Jake Iggy or Iggy for short. And this is Iggy Sports Talk. So I really appreciate everybody listening to this podcast, especially with sports really having nothing going on. And it seems like really the only thing that there is to talk about is that Major League Baseball might not be happening and all the different exciting stuff that is going on going into the 2020 NFL season. So I wanted to bring in a special guest named Jordan Dijani, who is a CBS Sports NFL writer, to not only talk about a little bit of a recap of the NFL offseason, but also talk a little bit about the draft that is coming up within the next week and how that will really shake up the entire NFL landscape. So how's it going, Jordan? Hey, Jake Davey. Thanks so much for having me on, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Just hanging in there with all this coronavirus stuff and trying to isolate, trying to stay safe, and really just trying to survive. (laughs) Yeah, I understand that completely. And it's great that we at least have the NFL offseason going on as scheduled because, like you said, there's nothing going on, right? College basketball is canceled. The NBA was canceled. The NHL is canceled. The MLB still has yet to – tip off per se so the nfl free agency has been the biggest thing in sports over the past couple months we got the michael jordan documentary coming out this week and i'm sure everyone's excited for that but nfl drafts coming up this week so a lot of stuff to talk about i mean it's going to be kind of crazy too especially with roger goodell being down in his basement and not being able to go walk out in that podium and everybody like whispering all right what's gonna who they who they're gonna pick who they're gonna and really all just being virtual it's going to be sort of like a weird feeling but i still feel like like that excitement especially when you know we see Tua taylor like joe burrow like those different sort of future superstars potentially going to these different teams in the next week or so Right, right. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the most watched NFL draft of all time because we're in these unprecedented times, right? I mean, people who usually don't turn into the NFL draft are going to be tuning in because, one, it's a live semi-sporting event. And the other part is that it's fully virtual, right? There's probably going to be some issues we run into. Everyone wants to see what those issues are going to be. What's it going to look like? How are teams going to be able to take advantage or not be able to take advantage um, of this situation. So, so many different things to talk about. There's so many things that I find interesting about this 100% virtual draft. So, I honestly can't wait for Thursday. Me as well. And, like, I feel like that this is sort of a different feeling going into this draft because as as long as I have really, like, sort of really paid attention to the draft and especially quarterbacks, I used to be a huge Cleveland Browns fan when they were rebuilding and everything and, and used to look very closely at the different quarterbacks, like, Patrick Mahomes, you know, like Josh Allen, even even back like when they drafted Deshaun Kaiser, I was like, maybe we could see if he could be our. But like, obviously, that didn't really work out. But really, just looking at this year's draft, it's it's sort of crazy how many quarterbacks there is, and really, sort of a little bit what we talked about before the show is the quarterback carousel that's been going on, and really, it it seems like any other year. It's, it's that there's not enough quarterbacks and that we see teams having, you know, these crappy quarterbacks go out because, you know, they're trying to tank or like, especially with what the Dolphins did this past season, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, and you know, if, if there was a guy like Cam Newton or Jameis Winston on the free agency market last offseason, I really think that everything would have changed. And then when you look at this draft, you know, you got Jake Fromm, you got Jordan, you got Jordan Love, you got Jake Easton, you know, Jalen, all these different guys that could could really go anywhere and there's just a lot of stuff to talk about like you said 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's a really good point, not to, not to go on a tangent, but, you know, it's hard to say a quarterback class is necessarily deep, um, but the more knowledgeable you become on it, there's a lot of guys that you like there that, that you think could have potential. I mean, all the way from Shea Patterson to Michigan to Kelly Bryant from Mizzou slash Clemson, uh, Jalen Hurts, Jacob Eason, you know, Jordan Love, all the top guys in that class. You know, everyone's not going to be elite, but you have to admit that these guys definitely have potential. It's going to be interesting to see if there's a run on quarterbacks in the first round or, um, you know, where exactly these guys kind of fall. Exactly. And, and, so, and sort of something that's, that's interesting that, that we talked about before the show, and, and, when you, and when you look at your hat, you're a Titans fan. So the Titan, Titans had a lot of different things happen during this offseason. It was, it was kind of interesting. Before the Tannehill signing even happened, it was, it was funny. I, I, I looked at a tweet. And some, somebody said, I'm, I can't believe Ryan Tannehill is out here getting $118 million. And Derrick Henry, the one that helped him get into the playoffs, is just sitting on his butt waiting for this huge contract. And, you know, the Titans took the entire league by storm. And, and me personally, I'm a Patriots fan. So I, I saw it full, full-fledged what the Titans were able to do, not only against, you know, different teams in, in the regular season, but, you know, Obviously, as a Patriots fan, I was going into this last year's playoffs with a big head, a big ego, and, th- you know, Tom Brady is going to help us go to the championship. You know, we're going to get number seven, and, oh, the Titans are getting in our way? Are you kidding me? Like, and then Tannehill and Derrick Henry go out and, you know, ball out. So what are your feelings about the Titans going into the season? Yeah, I mean, the thing is that they wanted to keep the two most important players that helped them reach the to the precipice of the Super Bowl, right? They help them reach a new level of success. And whether one of them gets a, a big contract and the other gets franchise tagged, I think that you just have to look at what positions they have to play, right? The quarterback is the most important position in the NFL. I don't care what color you are, how old you are, who you play for, you're going to get paid if you find success on the field. Um, and that's what exactly Ryan Tannehill did. I mean, he turns 32 this offseason, but he can sign 100-plus million dollar contract extension for not just one, two, three years, for four years because he plays the quarterback position. Now, Derrick Henry obviously was the most important piece for the Titans in the 2019 season. I mean, he led the NFL in rushing. He was an absolute monster, literally carried them through the postseason to the AFC championship game. Seriously. But here's the deal. He's a running back. You don't exactly pay running backs. I mean, just look at recent history. What happens when you reset the running back market? Now, Derrick Henry, in my mind, are He's, he's one of the best running backs in the NFL, and you can make an argument he's the best. But that's the problem. How You don't want to sign one of these guys to a four-year extension because all of a sudden early-onset arthritis can show up in your knee, and that guy's basically done and getting released and signing with the Falcons, such as Todd Gurley. So it really just has to do with the positions. Uh, I, I've heard that Derrick Henry still is in negotiations. Those negotiations are not over. They want to get him some good money. They want to lock him up for multiple years because, like I said, there's only a couple running backs in the NFL I'd probably pay. It'd probably be Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, who just got his bag, mm-hmm. and then, um, of course, Saquon Barkley is probably coming up next. So other than that, Melvin Gordon never would have considered uh, signing into a lucrative long-term extension. But that's just the way the game is when it comes to the offseason. These guys, the running backs, it's very, very risky to give them a lot of money. No, yeah, exactly. And, and especially somebody that you just brought up, and, and that was in the back of my head right when you started talking, was Melvin Gordon, you know. It, last week, I had uh, one of my good friends on who is a big Chargers fan. It was just interesting to hear his thoughts because he's a big Melvin Gordon fan as well. And I asked him about like the whole holdout and how he felt like about that as like a fan perspective. And it's crazy to think that you know his agent asked to be traded for him to be traded when the Chargers offered him ten million dollars 
then he's only able to get $8 million per season for the, from the Broncos. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast because that signing made no sense to me whatsoever. But when you really just look at what Tannehill was able to do over his time, I, I mean, over the last 10 games, 119.6 passer rating. And the only other people to be able to do that, guys like Lamar Jackson, Steve Young, Peyton Manning, Tony Romo, Aaron Rodgers, Brady, and Drew Brees. So you really can't be in a much better group of quarterbacks. And it'll be really interesting to see how him and Derrick Henry are able to bounce off of each other in this new Titans offense. But, you know, really going into the whole question is if Ryan Tannehill is able to be a productive quarterback for all those four years. So I'm just curious on your thoughts on why the Titans signed him to a four-year deal and, you know, if he was really worth all the money that he got. Yeah, I mean, like you said, all those stats you just brought up. I mean, the Titans, like I told you, they're not the most entertaining team to watch. They kind of took the NFL by storm late in the season. I mean, you're not turning on their TV and seeing a nationally televised Titans game. But me working and being based out of Nashville and kind of covering that team, um, you know, we saw how good Ryan Tannehill was playing. It just kind of seemed like, you know, he went to the bench. He was released by the – or was traded by the Dolphins of the Titans. Mm-hmm. He's on the bench behind Marcus Mariota. He realized kind of how short this life in the NFL could be. The next time he got that opportunity, I mean, he made the most of it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because we, we have a lot of quarterbacks this next season who are going to be in the same spot, right? Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, Nick Foles, guys like that. So if you ask me, did he deserve that money? I have to say yes because of the position he plays, right? He's a quarterback. Anytime you re-sign a starting quarterback, you're basically going to be almost resetting the market. And the fact that the Titans didn't make him the number one highest paid quarterback is okay with me, right? So, again, if you ask me if he's going to be the starter for all four years, it's hard for me to put on a straight face and tell you yes. I mean, like I said, he's turning 32 this offseason. I think he has a lot of potential, but the whole thing is the Titans are in. They're all in when it comes to the 2020 season and probably the 2021 season. They just got to the AFC Championship game. They're keeping and retaining all those pieces that were so important to that special run. Um, that's what it really comes down to. And, and because the, the, because one of the guys played quarterback, you're going to have to pay him $118 million over four years. So with all that being said, the short, short answer is yes. I do think he deserved that money. And there's not a lot of people in Nashville who are going to try to argue you saying that they should have let him go. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really sort of interesting, like, like I said before, is how many productive quarterbacks or, or just like efficient quarterbacks that there is in the league right now just like fighting for a job. I, I mean, sort of two guys that you brought up is Cam Newton and Jameis Winston. But when you even think of a guy like Marcus Mariota, where he signed this last season with the Las, Las Vegas Raiders, you know, that sort of brings up into question, could Derek Carr's be job, job or could his leash – be shortened very quickly if if something similar could happen as as like a Tanhill Mariota sort sort of switch, you know what I mean? And then when you really just think of other guys like you brought up with Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky, we can see a guy like Mitchell Trubisky be in the free agency market as as a 23, 24 year old in the next season or so. And then just one guy that that I thought of who just really has not gotten any sort of good opportunity to to really show his worth is Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen's 23 years old, got drafted in number 10, and was looked at even before the draft. People thought he was going to get drafted number two instead of Saquon Barkley. And it's crazy how, like, sort of all these different quarterback leashes have really gotten very short. And teams are really looking at sort of the landscape of what the quarterback market looks like right now. 
and really make not only making these decisions for the future, but really just looking for the next two years and really sort of just assessing what's going to be happening. Because, like I said before, how many drafts are I'm sorry, how many quarterbacks are coming out of this this year's draft? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Everything you just said, it, it really is all interesting. I mean, starting with Marcus Mariota, I wrote an article a couple months ago, like who will be the Ryan Tannehill of 2020? Who will be the quarterback who has been sent to the bench that can reemerge as a new potential NFL talent? And Marcus Mariota did make that list to me. And when you look at his contract, the Raiders gave him some good guarantees. He's making some very good money as a backup. And, I mean, all by all indications, yes, Derek Carr's uh, leash is very short. He has to prove that he's the future under center, especially when you have a guy – you're working for a guy like John Gruden. I mean, he's never seen a quarterback that he does not like. So – He's going to be interested in quarterbacks. I wouldn't be surprised if he drafts a quarterback uh, in, in the draft next week. Uh, but Marcus Mariota is going to have another chance to start. And, you know, you bring up Josh Rosen, too. I mean, yeah, that's a really great point because he hasn't had the chance to prove how good he can be. The past two years, he's been on basically the worst teams in the NFL. The Arizona Cardinals had nobody. First-year coaching staff at every single different position. I mean, uh, and then you go to the Miami Dolphins. They were really, really bad at the beginning of the year. He hasn't had a chance to really do anything. So everybody considers him this top 10 bust. Uh, that's just not true. I mean, he needs to be put in a situation where he can make the most of it. And he'll be an interesting name to watch this offseason because the Dolphins are a team that is going to be considered to take a quarterback at number five overall, or at least in the first round if they trade up. So that leads to the quarterback room of maybe Tua, maybe Justin Herbert, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then Josh Rosen. Are they going to carry three into the season? Who knows? So Josh Rosen could be on the move. Who knows? Yeah, very true. And and one team that I sort of thought about with, that would be a good place or a good landing spot for Rosen, because when you when you are just talking about these quarterbacks, you also got to remember Trevor Lawrence is one year away from being in the NFL. And it's crazy to think when you really just look at all the different teams like in the NFL and you just pinpoint, all right, you know, Kyler Murray's on the Cardinals, you know, Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles are for the Bears. When you really just like go in your mind and see who's at that quarterback position, there really isn't like a glaring team, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to go here. Like everybody knew at the start of the last season, you know, that the Dolphins were taking to, for Tua and that he, the Dolphins or the Bengals were probably the most viable like teams to be able to get to a Taylor. And so when you think about a guy like Josh Rosen, I could really see him honestly going to a team like the Jaguars. We got Gardner Minshew and you don't really know, you know, sort of what he can do, but he really only played like, 10 to 12 games last season, you, you know, I mean, he, he didn't have too, too much experience. And when you put a six rounder out there and really expect him to go and play like a first rounder, you know, I sort of get that sort of feeling of, of Trevor Simeon, you know, and he was good for a little bit with the Bengals, but then you really just saw, all right, you now now I see that you're a seventh rounder. Now I see it. And so when you just look at the two other guys who are still on the free agency market and Cam Newton and Jameis Winston, where do you really see those two guys potentially going before the start of the season? To be honest with you, it's a great question, and I do not have an answer for you. I mean, you, I thought you were going to ask me where Josh Rosen could end up. It, it's impossible to say because, like you right. said, there's, there's no team that has a glaring need for a quarterback. And when it comes to the backup quarterback, we could be really talking about any of the 32 NFL teams. So, you know, if we operate under that philosophy that Jameis Winston or Cam Newton is going to be a backup and not be a starter starting off the 2020 season, then it really could be any team other than the one they're coming off of. So the mm -hmm. Cam Newton's obviously not going back to the Panthers. Jameis Winston, he could go back to the Bucs. I don't I know. I'm not rolling it out. I'm not rolling it out, but I'll, I'll probably say that that's not likely to happen. So when you ask me where, where's the, where could they land, 
there's no there's no other starting spots available, right? The Chargers are probably going to draft somebody. The Patriots will probably draft somebody. They're comfortable with Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer. And then, of course, the Dolphins, they like Ryan Fitzpatrick, but they're probably going to draft somebody. So there's no more starting spots available. It's anyone's best guess. You, you could say any team you wanted and say, is there a chance that Cam Newton or Jameis Winston goes there? And I probably have to say yes. So, you know, this is just such an interesting, fascinating storyline of this offseason. We can get into deeper about why I think that those two players are still available. Um, you know, I've definitely been calling a Jameis Winston apologist before, so we can get into that later. But uh, it's, it's crazy. Like you said, it really seems like there's an influx of quarterback talent. There's some guys still left out on the free agent market. Now we have the draft coming in, a lot of guys with potential. So it, it's really going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Definitely. And, you know, just starting off with a guy like Jameis Winston, I really sort of looked at his suitors as teams that, you know, have have starting quarterbacks, but they're sort of iffy, you know, and it's sort of a place where Jameis Winston is at this moment in time, especially after he became the first player to go 30 for 30, 30 touchdowns with 30 interceptions that, you know, it, it shows his inaccuracy. But, you know, he was still able to lead the league in passing guards. You know, that, that's not an easy feat. And so I sort of looked at his suitors as, as, as teams like the Jaguars, maybe the Steelers. You know, if Ben goes down, the Steelers, who do they got? Mason Rudolph again? They're not going to want to do that again. And then maybe a team like Denver or even the Lions. You know what I mean? You don't know how good Matthew Stafford is going to be coming back. And we've, and we've you know, heard a lot of reports that the Lions are looking towards quarterbacks, especially in this year's draft. And so I sort of see this, this season for Jameis Winston as a prove-it year. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully he gets that opportunity, right? And you, when you were throwing out prospective landing spots for him, the one that was probably number one on my list was actually the Chargers. And that's because you have a couple of very talented wideouts there, a great receiving back in Austin Eckler. I mean, Jameis Winston, for lack of a better term, kind of thrives with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I mean, those guys put up monster numbers. And when both went down with injuries, he got Prashad Perriman paid for, from the New York Jets because he turned him into a good receiver. Now, and this might sound controversial, but I don't think Jameis Winston is necessarily inaccurate. I think that he makes bad decisions. I think that he takes a lot of chances he shouldn't. But, I mean, if you go back to the drawing board, look at every quarterback that Bruce Arians has had. He set a career high in turnovers every time. Peyton Manning, Carson Palmer, and, of course, Jameis Winston. So when you put a guy who's high turnover prone like Jameis Winston into a situation with Bruce Arians, I'm not shocked that he led the NFL in interceptions, but at the same time, I'm not shocked that he led the NFL in passing yards and came number two in passing touchdowns as well. So the whole thing, he's become like a joke, right? Oh, Jameis Winston threw another pick six. Oh, it's funny. He's throwing picks everywhere. I don't think that a lot of people actually sat down and watched his game. Yes, again, decision-making was definitely one of the biggest negative things against him. There's no doubt about it, but you can't look at me and tell me that this guy doesn't have potential. That this guy, I, I mean, you, it's, it, he's going to be the first guy to lead the NFL in passing yards, to be the reigning NFL passing champion, and start the 2020 season on the bench. Uh, that, that just doesn't happen in the NFL, especially in a league that's evolving more and more into a passing league. So I, I was very surprised to see that he's still available. But at the same time, like we've already talked about, there is this influx of new quarterback talent, you know, the way the carousel has spun this off season, there's some guys who got left off. And unfortunately, Jameis Winston was just one of those because people think that he's just an interception waiting to happen. 
Right. And, and, you know, it is really sort of crazy when, when you go back to, I, I think it was 2016, 2017 draft that he, that he, him and Marcus Mariota were drafted. And it's, it's crazy to think, you know, the one and the two now could potentially be backup quarterbacks going into this next season. But when, when you really just look at, at Jameis Winston in, in sort of this, the kind of player that he is, I, I sort of looked at him as a, as a great mentor. And so right, right when Brady left the Patriots, he was the first person that I thought that the Patriots were going to sign. I, I thought he was perfect for Jared Stidham to really have that mentor of, you know, the ups and downs of, of being a starting star quarterback in the league. But obviously we saw the Patriots go towards the Brian Hoyer, a little bit of a cheaper option, but you know, it, it's, it's really crazy as well with, with another guy like Cam Newton, who, who just has a ton of hype around him. And it, it, it really just wasn't his fault with, with, with the injuries that he, that he was, they, he really endured during this last season and, and really just got replaced out of nowhere because of the new regime of Matt Ruel and the new ownership and the new direction of wanting to go young, the whole rebuild sort of aspect that we've, that we've seen in Carolina. And when you, when you look at a guy like Cam Newton, only 30 years old, but he has been injury prone and he had, he had surgery on, it, on his injured foot uh, last season. But it, it's just really crazy looking at a guy who was number one and was looked at as – I, I, in my opinion, more than more than a top ten quarterback in the league, maybe maybe even top five in his prime, but it's really crazy to see him still sitting on his couch, not having a team. You know, here's the thing about Cam Newton. Yes, the the foot issue is something that wants to be addressed. T- team doctors want to get their hands physically on him to see if, if he can, you know, be as mobile as he previously was. But the reason Cam Newton is still on is on his couch is because of his shoulder, his throwing shoulder. Now, of course, he was shut down at the end of the 2018 season. He had everyone was wondering how serious this injury was. Was it a minor thing that he just had to throw his or mix up his throwing motion? He had a, what was it called? An expiratory surgery procedure done, which was sketchy. We don't know why. It was almost like they're trying to figure out what exactly is wrong with his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And then he comes out and he changes up his entire throwing motion. And, you know, for the two games he did play in 2019, he didn't look like the same Cam Newton when throwing the ball, right? He looked a lot more inaccurate. He didn't even throw one touchdown in, this, in the two games that he played in the 2019 season. Cam Newton has not thrown a touchdown in like a calendar year. Like that, that's pretty crazy to <laughs> think crazy. about. So the shoulder is the thing that people are focused on, the people that people are worried about. He changed up his entire throwing motion and didn't even have a full season to really get used to it. So is he exactly the same player? He's now 30 years old. It, can he still be that MVP player? That's why no one wanted to trade for him. I mean, mm-hmm. he was set to make a lot of money, and there's no reason that someone would want to take a flyer on a guy like that if you don't know if he can ever play again. So, you know, he's going to be picked up at some point in time in my mind. Uh, I don't know how much say he's obviously going to have in that and how much money he's trying to get. It might have to be a prove-it contract in a, in, a, in, a, in a better situation where he can maybe get some snaps under his belt in 2020. But – in my mind, that that's that's the thing. I mean, the NFL life it can be very short. You know, you could be the MVP, and then all of a sudden you're Todd Gurley and your knee falls off, and you kind of have to start over from scratch, right? So that, that's kind of what Cam Newton's going through right now. He, I think he'll have another chance. I mean, I think everyone admits that he's not going to be kicked out of the league in blackball, but uh, it, it'll be interesting to see which team wants to take a flyer on him, and then when he finally gets that opportunity, you know, can he pull a Ryan Tannehill? Can he show that everybody he's still a starting elite quarterback? 
Right. I, I mean, especially when he was able to play, like he was one of the best scramblers in the league. And, and, and you know, it really showed, especially with how injury prone he has become, that him running that much really sort of didn't help him being able to stay on the field and such. But I, I mean, it, it's an interesting point that you brought up with his shoulder, because I mean, that's definitely something that looking at a GM or a coach. I mean, if, if he's if he's going out there and throwing you know, 15 picks and is only able to throw 10, 10 touchdowns, you, that GM isn't going to have a job next season. And, and so really just looking at the sort of few different teams that he could really go to, as we, as we heard, you know, um, Fournette was really pushing for him to go to the Jaguars. And I think that'd be really interesting as well. But one team that just sort of came to mind that I think would be interesting, but I don't really know how it would really work out, is the Denver Broncos. And it's essentially just looking at their quarterback situation where, you know, Drew Locke and, you know, John Elway really, in my opinion, this being his last chance to get a quarterback, right? You know, he's had Paxton Lynch. He's had, he's had Casey Kelly. He's had all these, he's had Brock Oswald. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's just something where you need to get one of them. Right. And so I, I think it'd be kind of interesting with Newton going there for, for sort of what you talked about as a prove it deal. And then just, Seeing, seeing how he's able, able to help Drew Locke, but I could also see the Broncos going towards a direction of just wanting to start Locke right away. Yeah, I mean, Drew Locke played really, really well when he got his a few couple of starts at the end of the season. I think that they're very confident in the quarterback he can become. But like you said, I mean, John Elway kind of reminds me a little bit in jo- of John Gruden in the sense of they really like quarterbacks. They really like tall quarterbacks. So mm-hmm. Cam Newton is one of those guys who's shown he's going to have success in this league. But the thing is, Cam Newton probably doesn't want to be yet in a role where he's a mentor, right? Where he's, you know, like a, a backup quarterback trying to help a rookie along, a young 20-year-old kid along. But mm-hmm. it would be an interesting fit if he went there. But I do think that they're set, they're sold on Drew Locke, that he's the unquestioned starter entering 2020. But, I mean, another team I would probably bring up is probably the Patriots. I mean, what if they kind of enter this offseason and they don't exactly – love what, what, what they see out of Jared Stidham. They realize Brian Hoyer's not, you know, he doesn't have a lot, probably a lot of cash left in the tank. Uh, he's he's necessarily, not necessarily a young guy. So mm-hmm. well, what if Bill Belichick would want to take a, a shot on a guy like Cam Newton? Of course, after this entire pandemic, you know, goes away or whatever, um, they're going to have to get their hands physically on him and put him through a physical to see how well he can perform. But the Patriots are a team in my mind that I keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, especially when Newton got released, it was it was something where, especially being in New England and, and seeing all the different uh, Patriots fan pages, I mean, the, the jersey swaps were coming out left and right of him on the Patriots. It was, I mean, he looks good, but at the same time, it's it's something where it would be really interesting, especially now that he doesn't have that price tag on him of the $23, 25000000 million that he had when, you know, the Panthers were trying to trade him because that was the biggest deterrent, in my opinion, with Bill Belichick especially if he doesn't want to pay Tom Brady over $20 million. You know, he's not going to want to give 30-year-old Cam Newton, who's injury-prone, $30 million, or I'm sorry, $20 million. But I think that would be really interesting as well. I mean, especially going uh, into into the next topic of of what will teams like the Patriots and Chargers do, especially at the quarterback position. When you really focus on the Patriots, you know, they got Brian Hoyer, they got Jared Stidham, and – I saw something yesterday. Um, somebody reported that Hoyer is looked at as the top quarterback option for the Patriots. And if they do start him, it could sort of be like a tank year to try and get uh, Trevor Lawrence. And I just think I just thought that was gibberish. But it would be really interesting to see if Hoyer did start for the Pats. 
I, I don't care if they start Brian Hoyer or some guy we've never heard of. The Patriots aren't going to be the worst team in the league. I mean, their defense is too good. They have arguably the best head coach of all time. Like Seriously. anyone who brings up the take for uh, Trevor Lawrence with the Patriots in the same sentence doesn't make any sense to me. The Patriots, <laughs> they could be bad, but they're not going to be the worst team in the NFL where they have a chance to get Trevor Lawrence. They're going to have to trade up for that opportunity. But like you said, that could be something they, they might be eyeing. Um, I think that Jared Stidham does have a good chance. I mean, in the couple of throws, literally the couple of throws he got in the games last season, it wasn't good. But he was somebody who was making a lot of waves in the offseason after he was drafted that the Patriots were a little high on. So the fact that they kind of went back to this and said, let's give this kid a shot, that's very possible. And at the same time, you kind of have to take into account the uh, egos that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have, right? What if Bill Belichick doesn't want to take Jameis Winston or some other quarterback who has, you know, starts under his belt? What if he wants to take his draft pick from the previous year and turn him into an, a legitimate NFL starter? Tom Brady, you're pretty good, but at the same time, I kind of made you. My system kind of made you, and I'm going to show with Jared Stidham, right? So yeah. so that's something you kind of have to think about. I know it's probably speculative, but at the same time, like I do expect the Patriots to probably draft a quarterback. It'll be interesting to see if there's a run on guys like Jordan Love in the first round or if Jordan Love falls to like 23 overall, I think, where the Patriots are. So if that happens, if – that, I mean, Jacob Easton will probably be available there. He's a big arm. Maybe they'll like that guy kind of maybe maybe some shades of Brian Mallett in that one. Um, Jalen Hurts is another guy who I'm kind of high on that other people aren't. Jake Fromm could be the next Tom Brady. Who knows? Right. So the Patriots really do have a lot of options right now. Very hard to see where Bill Belichick's kind of leaning. But with all that being said, I do expect him to pick up another quarterback. I just don't know if that's going to be Jake Fromm or it's going to be Cam Newton. Right, yeah. I mean, definitely. I, I really, I, I am very, high, especially as a Patriots fan, I'm very high on Jared Stidham. It's really interesting because, like, what, as as I said before, like even before, like I was a big Cleveland Browns fan. I would really look towards the quarterbacks in the draft. I, I was always really interested who would be the next star, like to really lead a team to a championship or to come out and be, you know, the next Patrick Mahomes. And just looking at Jared Stidham being one of the top quarterbacks, at least going into his senior year. And then obviously his senior year at Auburn didn't go out exactly how he wanted it to. But when the Patriots drafted Jared Stidham, I, I no joke, ran around my dorm room. I was like, yes, we got the guy. We, or, or it was just, we finally got a quarterback because we, 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 were, we hadn't gotten a quarterback since, since uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. But when you just hear about the comments, especially like Devin McCourty, he, he stated that he's like, there were weeks where he was just on point, and those were the weeks where we were best at, at defense. And he said mainly, he said Stidham ate us up. And in leading into games, he said he put a lot of pressure on us. And then the last thing that I thought that was really interesting that he said is, is he said, I think the Stidhams are going to be in New England for a long time. I thought that, that made me pretty excited because something where you look at some of the comments – especially by his trainer, uh, Jordan Palmer, he said he's a big-time future quarterback. And with a guy who has been training him throughout the offseason, and when you really, really look at the work ethic that Sidham's really putting in before this season, I think he could surprise a ton of people and really go out there and show that he should have been drafted in the first round instead of the fourth. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has the potential. There's no doubt about it. Like so many others, I entered his senior season kind of excited about him, and then he kind of disappointed everybody. So he kind of fell off my radar a little bit, and I knew he was going to be picked in like fourth, fifth, sixth round. 
Uh, but again, I mean, he's shown us that he does have that potential. Like Tom Brady wasn't a Heisman Trophy candidate when he was in college, right? So Jared Stidham, Jared Stidham could end up being a very good NFL quarterback. And especially when you're under the tutelage of a guy like Bill Belichick, you know, somebody who's had so much success in this league, you've got a good defense to back you up. Uh, they're probably going to add a couple more weapons. You know, they don't have Rob Gronkowski. The weapons on the outside and the receivers are still kind of young. Um, but, I mean, he does have that potential. There's no doubt about it. So it'll be interesting to see how this whole offseason goes. Yeah, they don't even have a tight end. That's that's something that has been frustrating me throughout these last two years, and especially especially this offseason. I mean, seeing guys like Austin Hooper. I mean, even Trey Burton is on the market right now, and we're seeing Bill Belichick isn't interested. I'm like, oh, so we're going to go out with Ryan Izzo. We're going to go out with Matt Lacoste and and try and put up a huge season at the tight. It just it just makes no sense to me. As a why not? Why not just go out and get OJ Howard from Brady? Seriously. <laughs> See, I, I, I saw I saw one of your articles. You said that that the Patriots were one of the landing spots uh, for him, and I mean that that'd be hilarious. They just steal him right from the box, and then sit him just balls out with OJ Howard. Yeah, I think that's that's a possibility for sure. I mean, I think that Belichick understands how important the tight end position is. I mean, it's helped him win rings. So, but Tom Brady does as well, which I found interesting. Why OJ Howard is is reportedly on the trade block. To be honest with you, I don't think that he gets traded. I do think there's a possibility, but if I had to put my money on it, I think he remains in Tampa Bay. Hopefully Brady can kind of turn him into that elite tight end because, I mean, he has all the characteristics up one. He has all the potential. He fell off and definitely fell out of favor with Coach Bruce Arians last season, but he's someone who has potential. So if he truly is on the trade block, New England is definitely one of those teams that um, I would expect to make a run on him. And then the whole reports, could Rob Gronkowski be going to the Buccaneers and come out? I saw you wrote an article on that, and I'm like, are you serious right now? You got, you, everybody just needs to stop this gibberish. Right? He was just at WWE. Like, do you think he's going to be back on a football field in the next year or so? Yeah, all, all your friends are, like, in my DMs asking if, like, he's going to return to the Patriots or, or go to the Buccaneers. And the thing is that you have to remember is that he's not a free agent. The, the, the Patriots technically own his rights. So if he did want to return, he'd have to either – his rights would have to be traded to another team, probably for something good in return, or he'd have to play for the Patriots, which I guess is kind of hard to believe right now. So the thing is you can never rule it out. I mean, everyone's going to talk about it until the end of time, even if he's 45 years old and Rob going to come, is Rob going to come back. So in my mind, if you ask me, I'm probably going to say no. I think he's happy in retirement. I think he said multiple times that he's not going to come back. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it'd be really sexy to see him go down to Tampa Bay with his buddy Tom Brady and, and fall out with Bruce Arians. But I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with that. And then, and then just going to, like, one, one other team who, I mean, who we've talked about a few times throughout this podcast, just looking at the quarterback position, is the Chargers. And they've been linked to multiple reports of wanting Cam Newton and, you know, trying to trade for Cam Newton before he got released. And then when you just hear the GM talk about on ESPN, he's all in on Tyrod Taylor. And when you look at Tyrod Taylor, I mean, he was 22 for 20 when he played for the Bills, but that's when the Bills were what they are right now. And he was able to the, – the stat that really, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, popped out to me was he was able to throw 51 touchdowns and only throw 16 interceptions. And so I, I got to ask you, Jordan, do you think that the Chargers are going to be looking towards maybe a guy like Justin Herbert in the draft or, or like some sort of top-tier top quarterback to try and have Tyrod Taylor mentor? Yeah, when I released my mock draft a couple of weeks ago, I did have them taking Justin Herbert. And I think that is a possibility that they are looking at a quarterback 
in the first round, if not in the first round, maybe in the first couple of rounds. Because I, I still think that they are serious when they say that they are confident in Tyrod Taylor moving forward with them. And uh, part of that has to do with it's not always great to throw a rookie right into shark-infested waters, right? For him to learn under someone like Tyrod Taylor, kind of like Baker Mayfield did, right? And then Tyrod got injured and Baker had to come in, and it ended up being pretty good for that Cleveland franchise, at least back in 2018. So um, I, I really do think that they are looking at quarterbacks. I think that they're going to try to put the, to put the uh, noise to bed early in saying that there's not going to be a quarterback battle. Tyrod's our guy. Uh, but obviously that they still need to look towards the future. I don't think that they think Tyrod Taylor is going to be the, the starter in 2024. So this, this could be the year to get it if they are high on a guy like Justin Herbert, a West Coast kid. Um, so I would definitely keep an eye on that situation for sure. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And, and then they still have like one more guy that I wanted to get your thoughts on, he, even though he, he's, he's a guy that I hadn't even really heard of before uh, researching this podcast, Easton Stick. He was drafted in the fifth round, and the, the GM sort of put it as plainly as this, as he has high hopes for Stick, but he's still young and has a long way to go. Do, do you really think that we could see Easton Stick be a potential future quarterback in Los Angeles, or could we see him bounce around as, as a backup candidate for a few years? Honestly, it really doesn't matter what happens in this offseason. If they go and get Cam Newton or, or if they go get Jameis Winston or if they draft like a guy like Justin Herbert in the first round because – that would significantly hurt Easton Stick's chances of, I mean, even making the roster, to be honest. So if the Chargers are serious and moving forward with Tyrod Taylor and Easton Stick, those two quarterbacks on roster, and they don't take another quarterback till the sixth or seventh round, then you have to say that Easton Stick's name is going to be in the running for being a starter in Los Angeles because if Tyrod struggles, he's going to be inserted into the starting lineup. If Tyrod Taylor gets injured, which he has many times before, Easton Stick's into the starting lineup. So – his chance really could be coming down the line right now. And from all reports I've seen come out of L.A., they, they're, they're, they are pretty high on Easton Stick as well. But he just needs to get those chances uh, in the regular season. And 2020 could be the time that happens. Right. I, I mean, it was actually kind of funny because, like, like I said, the one of my good friends I had on last week is a huge Chargers fan. And when Stick actually got drafted, he's like, North Dakota. He's like, where's that? Where's that? I'm like, you also got to remember that Carson Wentz got drafted out of North Dakota, and so that's not a horrible, uh, you know, college producing quarterbacks. But you know, we've talked a lot about quarterbacks, especially the drafted um, or the quarterbacks coming in this upcoming draft a lot during this podcast. So I want to get your thoughts on a few guys who are looked at as underrated quarterbacks going into this next week uh, with Jordan Love, Jake Fromm, and Jalen Hurts. And so we're just starting off with Jordan Love, you know. This has been one of the biggest stories, it seems like, in the past like week or so. Jordan Love and uh, Patrick Mahomes are like the same people. You know, they're, they're, the, they're the two guys that could potentially be the biggest comparison in this draft. And Jordan Love is also one of the biggest question marks going into this uh, draft. If, if he could be a high draft choice, you know, maybe even go towards, you know, the, the, the 20s in the first round or maybe even go to the second round. And so I want to hear your thoughts on where you think he could land and what teams you could think could, could try and pick him. Yeah, it's funny. With Jordan Love, like, he, he's still a prospect I'm trying to figure out. Like, I, mm -hmm. can't, get, I can't get a finger on him because – he had a great season a couple of years ago, and then last season wasn't very good. But at the same time, I mean, he was clearly the best player on his team, and he's trying to carry the fight against, you know, elite teams like LSU, and he struggles, right? So when you look at his stats on paper, you're probably not impressed. But when you look at his athleticism, his ability to take chances, just his throwing motion in general, he's somebody who clearly has potential. And it doesn't take, it doesn't take much for one team to fall in love 
with a guy like this. So in terms of where he will go, uh, this might not sound, you know, um, controversial, but he's going to be a first round pick. I, I think that you can lock him in, in the first round where he goes in the first round really is still yet to be determined because like I've already kind of brought up, when will there be a run on quarterbacks? Will there be a run on quarterbacks? I mean, will, will Justin Herbert, for example, will he be in the, will he go in the top five? Because if he does, Jordan Love might be a top 10 pick. But if the mock drafts that we've been kind of studying and we've been doing over at CBS ring true, then Jordan Love could fall all the way to, you know, exactly like the Patriots in the 20s or something like that. Either, either way, if he falls a little bit, there's going to be a team who may not even be in the first round, will be interested in him, or a team that's sitting at 30, 31, 32 that would want to trade up to grab him. So I would keep my eye on that. As he, if he continues to fall past, you know, 14, 15, 16, I would expect somebody to kind of jump up and grab him, even if that's somebody like the New England Patriots. Yeah, true. I mean, I, I sort of see Jordan Love as, as a big prospect. That, that could be somebody who sits for one season and it could come in and we could see him play during 2021 for a team sort of like the Colts, you know, the Steelers, teams that are sort of looking towards that future guy that they want to groom during this next year or so. And it's really crazy just looking at the difference in the quarterbacks that are being produced out of college and going into the NFL because – you know, it, it really seemed like the scrambling quarterbacks were really looked down upon just five years ago. And then when you look at a, when you look at guys, even a guy like Sam Darnold, he can run. And, and, it's, and it's just crazy to, to see how the whole entire athleticism and sort of measurement of a quarterback is good or if he isn't good really has sort of changed in these last few years. And when you look at a guy like Love, I mean, he's got some speed on him. In 2018, he was able to get seven rushing touchdowns. And so it's just, it'll just be really interesting to see where he does land. Right. And you know why that entire narrative of athletic quarterbacks has shifted is because this guy, I don't know if you've heard his name before, um, Lamar Jackson for the Baltimore Ravens, the 2019 MVP. That guy came and kind of shifted the entire landscape, right? So when we see a guy with some speed on him, who can also throw the football, a guy with who a smaller school, not necessarily a Louisville, but I mean, Utah State, he was clearly the best player on his team. So that's why you'll start hearing some of, some of those comparisons, like a Patrick Mahomes, the way they throw the ball, how their stats look coming out of college. Because Patrick Mahomes was a losing quarterback in college. Texas Tech with Cliff Kingsbury was not good. They didn't have a defense at all, but he can still be one of the top five passers in college football because of his arms. So, yeah, Jordan Love is, is a guy, out of all these quarterbacks you probably asked me about, that's the one guy I still have major questions about. I don't know how good he can be. I don't know how bad he can be. It's tough watching his tape and trying to get a finger on his uh, potential. Yeah, definitely. And, and really just basing off of what you talked about with, with how the whole, you know, evaluation of quarterbacks has really changed. When you really just look at the extension that a guy like Russell Wilson was able to get to become the top paid quarterback in the NFL. I mean, he's a scrambling quarterback and, and it was crazy to see sort of all this recognition being, being showed to, towards these guys who are able to be these dual threats. And we're even able to see a guy like Mitchell Trubisky, he, like he was a dual threat just in 2018 and he was looked at as one of the best quarterbacks or young quarterbacks going into this past season. And then obviously we saw once Mike, Matt Nagy sort of stopped all the different scrambling pit plays or, or the plays where he had him go around in the backfield. It, it really just sort of deterred his, his ability to run. And then so when you look at a guy who could potentially be like a Lamar Jackson 2.0, maybe not up to the amount of the, the, you know, the efficiency of stats that he is able to have, but sort of the same style in Jalen Hurts, a guy who got, 
replaced by Tuate Loa, and it's crazy that they're in the same exact draft now as well. And he transferred to Oklahoma, and he was really able to show out, especially in his passing ability. When you're able to throw 32 touchdowns and only seven interceptions, when everybody's saying, this kid doesn't have an arm, let's put him at running back, let's put him at wide receiver, it's really just interesting to see where he will go in this draft. Yeah, I like Jalen Hurts a lot, to be honest with you. And I think that uh, a lot of NFL teams would agree with me on that. I feel like he's somebody who's not being talked a lot, and there's a reason because of that. I think that Mm -hmm. teams are kind of high on him and that he might end up going a little higher than you would expect. Because like you said, I mean, he was a winner at Alabama, unfortunately gets replaced by Tua, goes to Oklahoma, puts up incredible stats. I mean, even before the the, the 2019 college football season, I put money on him to win the Heisman because I know Lincoln Riley can turn prospects like Jalen Hurts into those kinds of players. So he's somebody who definitely has that NFL potential. The one thing that I probably will bring up on him is, is, his, is his accuracy, maybe his deep ball accuracy. He's not somebody who is, I would claim is the, one of the most accurate passers in this draft class. But again, you, you can open up the field by, by your lateral speed, by being able to move out of the pocket. He has good vision. He's somebody who can be a legitimate playmaker. So Jalen Hurts is definitely someone who I have an eye on. It'll be interesting to see kind of where he lands because – he could have an opportunity to play in 2020. Who knows? Because, like, the Panthers could be interested in him, adding him to that, that loaded quarterback room. The Chicago Bears could add another quarterback. Mm-hmm. The Chargers, like we already talked about, Raiders, Buccaneers. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see where he goes because I definitely think he has potential. Yeah, I mean, with his accuracy, it was something that I, I the same exact sort of thought about that he really needs to work on going, especially going into the NFL and being able to be as accurate as possible. And, and that was something that, you know, I, I really thought about with Lamar Jackson going into this past season. I'm like, I just, my main point was he, that that's, that's the way that he becomes what, what he was this past year an MVP. And then my words just got squandered with, with how incredible numbers he was able to have throwing d- deep down the field, e- even just his, his, his consistency in being able to throw efficient passes. And it was kind of funny. I, I saw a, uh, a post. It was either on Twitter or Instagram. And Jalen Hurts was, was at a practice field. And, and the comment was, you're questioning my accuracy. I don't think he posted it, but it was somebody else. And he was just bombing one down the field. But, like, obviously that, that, that isn't going to show what, what it's like in a real game. But, I mean, when you have a guy like him who knows in the back of his head that that's the one thing that coaches are going to be looking for, we, we could see him have a whole different arm in the NFL going into this next season. And one team that you brought up that I would really like to see draft him because, I mean, especially since in the Buccaneers, especially since they just got Brady, I mean, they have this two-year window where when Brady retires, what's going to happen at the quarterback position? They, they have nobody to be able to help Brady, Brady groom. So I could really see Jalen Hurts potentially going to the Buccaneers as, as a great – relationship builder for him and Tom Brady, especially with Hertz having being looked down upon all throughout his college career, all throughout his, um, this draft process. Cause I just remember when he was able to win the last two seasons uh, with Alabama, you know, three years ago, his first two seasons, freshman, sophomore year, all everybody talked about was how, how inaccurate he was as a quarterback and how he wasn't that good. But I'm just like, they made it to the championship, even though Alabama's defense obviously helped that a ton. He made it to the championship. And so do you see him going into even close to the first round, or do you see him more second or third round guy? Yeah, like I said, I think that he could end up going higher than people imagine. So I think that could be a second round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have him around the third or fourth, which, of course, I do think is a possibility. But 
I, I think that he could surprise some people. I think that he could go uh, in the middle of the second round or so. Yeah, definitely. And and then when you look at another guy who could be like sort of a second round guy, but I really thought at the start of this past season or before this college football season that he was going to be in the first round and Jake Fromm. And, and really when he really just, you know, started off this crazy college career that he was able to have with Georgia when he beat Baker Mayfield in the Rose Bowl. That, that was the first time I ever got to see him. I'm like, wait, so th- this kid's a freshman. He, he's throwing those kind of passes. He's, he's driving down the field against this Oklahoma defense, and he's a freshman. And the first, the first comparison that I thought of, and it's funny that you brought this up at the start of the show, is, is Tom Brady. And it'd be really cool if the Patriots were able to draft him sort of in the third or second round and really be able to, you know, have these two guys, Jared Stidham and Jake Fromm, sort of fight for that future franchise quarterback position. And so I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on where you see him going, especially with his junior stats really, really dipping. It's funny because, yeah, we can compare him to Tom Brady, but we can also compare him to uh, Jared Stidham, right? right? He was somebody that people were high on. And uh, then he didn't exactly have the most incredible final season in college. But uh, I've seen Jake Fromm be, uh, you know, a lot of guys that I trust with, uh, I trust about CBS Sports in terms of their mock drafts. They have them, him actually going through the Buccaneers and not the Patriots because, like you said, the, the Buccaneers are going to be interested in picking a quarterback because let's say that everything goes according to plan. They win two Super Bowls over the next two years with Tom Brady. Well, then he's going to retire, and they, they want to maintain that same level of success. Mm-hmm. You need a good quarterback to be ready. And I, I think that it's that you don't pick a good quarterback as a rookie when you need him immediately. I think that you pick a guy like Jake Fromm um, who, who could you could groom under Tom Brady for a couple of years, and hopefully he's ready to take over the reins for that offense in 2023 or whatnot. So, for example, uh, I think Chris Trapasso, who who's like our top NFL draft guy, he has him going in the third round. Uh, pick number 12 to the to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I think that third round is, is kind of a sweet spot because, like I said, if there's a run for quarterbacks, whenever that happens, whether it's in the first round or in the second round, that, that's going to up from stock. You know, he's going to move towards the top of the position rankings at the quarterback position. So I do think third round is probably a good bet of when he'll go. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy all the different possibilities that could happen in this draft. And, and it's just something that I just want to hear your thoughts lastly on the draft is is who do you think could, could come out of nowhere with this crazy trade and really just sort of change up the entire landscape of this draft in this next week? Oh, man, it could be anybody. I, honestly, I would keep an eye on the Patriots because they're a team that they, they know that Tom Brady is no longer part of this franchise and – they still want to maintain that level of success. And I guarantee you, while we're having this weird tanking for Trevor talk, the fact is that Bill Belichick's one of the best coaches of all time. They got a great defense. They got some young offensive weapons they're, they're excited about. All they need is really that quarterback and maybe some additions along the offensive line, tight end, and wide receiver, maybe even a running back, right? So the Patriots, in their mind, I guarantee you, they don't think they're too far away. So if there's somebody that they're targeting and they're very high on and whether it's the first or the second round, they're not going to be shy about trading up and mm-hmm. vice versa. They might trade down as well. They might trade down twice and just try to acquire as many picks as they possibly can uh, to, to fit that draft class to their liking. So, you know, whether they explode the draft and they become the biggest storyline or they become an afterthought, I'm very interested in what the New England Patriots do uh, come this week. I really think, 
anybody that's that's watching the draft really doesn't know any year what the Patriots are going to do. Even as a Patriots fan, it, it really is all up into question once you turn on the draft, and especially once it starts ticking down to those 20s in, in the first round picks. You know, even in these last few years, I had no clue that they were going to get a wide receiver. You, you know what I mean? I, th- I Tight end was the first per- was the first position that I thought of, especially in last season. And then when you look at these past other seasons, you know, they, they passed on Calvin Ridley and got Isaiah Wynn. And, and, you know, a lot of people are really looking towards the linebacker position for them this, this next year. But it's really all up into question because nobody really ever knows what Bill Belichick is really going to do. Exactly. Totally agree with you. And then when you look at a few other, you know, g- general managers who, in my opinion, they didn't really know what the heck they were doing either. In the bear, in the in the Bears GM and Ryan Pace, it's it's something where you look at how he traded for you know Nick Foles when he could have gotten guys like Cam Newton. And it really, I really thought that Cam Newton was going to be a Chicago Bear at the start of this season. And when you look at sort of how the Bears have really sort of changed in this last few seasons, I mean, they were looked at when Mitchell Trubisky in 2018 just went off. I thought that they were going to be a future, you know, steamroller in the playoffs for years to come, especially with that that incredible defense and you know them adding guys like Allen Robinson to to that wide receiver core. It really just looked all up for the Bears uh, going in these next few seasons. And so I want to hear your thoughts on sort of what the quarterback landscape looks like over in Chicago and and really what's going on in Chicago. Yeah, to be honest with you, I don't hate the Nick Foles trade. Um, well, I didn't really at first, and now I'm kind of confused because initially I thought they were employing what I call the Ryan Tannehill method, which is mm. you're going to bring a guy who's definitely going to be a backup. He's not going to be a starter. But if that young quarterback who you have as your starter for the past couple of years can't play up to his potential and struggles, they're going to have no problem adjusting the lineup and putting in that veteran um, who has starting experience into the starting lineup. So – but then again, that, that whole narrative shifted a couple of weeks ago where Ryan Pace came out and said, hey, we're actually having a quarterback battle. So Nick Foles is going to have the opportunity to start in week one. And to be honest with you, I know this is not a popular opinion with my friends in Chicago, but I would have already given Mitch the starting job heading into 2020 and just told him that Nick Foles is breathing down his neck. We're going to get the first chance to, to throw the first ball for the Chicago Bears in 2020. But let me tell you, Obviously, you're on a short leash, and we got Nick Foles right behind you. A guy who started a season as a backup and ended up as a Super Bowl MVP, right. which is why I like Nick Foles um, for that spot. And when it comes to Cam Newton, I mean, he hasn't been somebody who's been a backup before, except in his rookie season, basically. And uh, like I said, the injury concerns with his shoulder, he's not somebody I want to take a flyer on. I'd rather take a flyer on a guy who is a couple years removed from being a Super Bowl MVP one of the best backups in the NFL, had injury issues last year in Jacksonville, struggled, and it really inhibited his ability to learn the offense. He's somebody who still has potential. So, again, Nick Foles is not going to be your quarterback probably in 2025 or anything like that for the Bears. But what they want to do is figure out if Mitch Trubisky is actually the face of your franchise in this season. And there's a lot of divided opinions. Not, not a lot of people are confident in him, but that's kind of their objective moving into the season. Let's find out. If our former number two overall pick, which we traded up for, Mitch Trubisky, is actually our quarterback of the future. I I really think that Trubisky was the one quarterback that everybody was talking about all throughout last season. It it was it was everybody was just 
it seemed like every single high, uh, headline that I saw on like ESPN or, or NFL Network was what Mitchell Trubisky was saying post in, during his post conference or press conference, you know, post game. He really just wasn't taking ownership of anything that was happening. You know, we saw that he wanted to turn off the TVs in in the locker room and, and just all this sort of different stuff to where, you know. It's crazy to see how the fan base has really turned on a guy like Mr. Trubisky. I mean, I saw, I saw a picture on, on Barstool. I don't remember the exact thing that, that um, it was like this whole flyer on, on this restaurant in Chicago. And they, they made a whole joke about how, um, you know, Trubisky throws a ball to his receiver 10 yards away from where the receiver is at all times. And all anybody really has thought of about Mr. Trubisky isn't what people are thinking about in 2018 with this dual threat you know, future franchise quarterback for the Bears who could essentially help them win a Super Bowl to now being a guy who can't throw the ball anywhere close to his receiver and is just losing games, game after game. And really, especially at the interceptions, he threw 17 touchdowns with 16 interceptions. And then so when you bring a guy in with, you know, Nick Foles, I mean, when you look at what happened with him with with the uh, you know the Rams, the Eagles, the both times with the Eagles, sort of all the ups and downs, crazy up and downs that he has had during his career, it's something that he could really help Mitchell Trubisky, you know, sort of groom him, develop him into something that could be great, I think, with another team. But I, I could really see Nick Foles really being a helping hand with that quarterback position in Chicago and essentially help them find some success as well. Uh, but the one thing that just I thought of when I first saw the trade is I'm like, all that money going over there for a backup quarterback. And, it, and it's just crazy how Nick Foles was one looked at as the top quarterback option in, in 2019 and is now just looked at as somebody that you can just toss out and uh, it doesn't matter what happens to that guy. We'll, you know, we'll see him later. Yeah, I agree with you. The, the money thing was definitely <clears throat> the thing that confused me the most in terms of that trade. Uh, it's interesting because I thought he he might have gone to the Colts, right? Because Frank Reich is there. Um, but I mean, the Bears. What what you have to give them credit for is that the Bears wanted Nick Foles. This wasn't like a oh, that's kind of a good idea. Let's let's bring in Nick Foles. They they were after him. They were targeting him. So yeah, I think they're paying too much money. I think everybody thinks that, but you have to give them credit because this is the guy they targeted to to push Mitchell Trubisky, and they got him. So everything's going according to plan for their offseason right now. Yeah, seriously, and and it's something where every single time people talked about Mitchell Trubisky, they linked it to Ryan Pace because it Ryan Pace really just put his entire reputation and his job security on the line to trade up for Mitchell Trubisky, and obviously it hasn't really worked out, so he's trying to use this Nick Foles trade to really be able to help the asset that he really pushed for to really sort of work out. So how could you see this potentially – going along with, with Ryan Pace's potential tenure at the, at the, in Chicago really coming to an end in the next few years? How, how do you think this, could, this decision could really sort of affect his job security? Yeah, I mean, if, if Nick Foles falls flat too and they, the Bears just go like 3-13, and 13, uh, that's obviously going to not bode well for, for, uh, <laughs> for Pace so, and, and Navy really too. So that's something that's interesting. But at the same time, I think it's a lot easier for a quarterback to lose his job than a, than a coach or a general manager. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you have to keep that in mind as well. But like you said, yeah, I mean, with a quarterback, you're supposed to stake your reputation. You're supposed to stake your job on your starting quarterback, no matter who you are. Even if you believe it or not, you have to tell people that he's the real deal. So I think we have to keep that in mind as well. 
And, uh, you know, it wouldn't be the first time a coach flipped on a quarterback, sent him away, and then just went off with a new guy. That could happen in 2021, even in this season with Nick Bowles. So this is the year they have to figure it out, though. And, he, and here's the thing. Trubisky had a pretty good rookie season, right? Um, he had, a, he had the, obviously, that, that kind of sophomore slumpish year. And we've seen players, young players, come back, right? We've seen them kind of develop into good players after having bad seasons initially. And while it just happened, it's in our recent memories, we we want to we want to say that that's kind of it shows us that he is not the future of Chicago. That's not exactly the truth. I think this season he understands that he has to step up to the plate and perform well and prove that he's the face of this franchise. So will he do it? Will he not? I don't know. It remains to be seen. But it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I I know if it was me, if it was my job on the line, I'd be out there every single morning at 5 a.m. working my butt off with the best quarterback trainer to help my accuracy back, just to really come out and perform as a comeback player of the year. You know what I mean? To be like, yeah, I showed you guys. And and it's just something where it'll be really interesting to see how it all pans out. But, I mean, he's on a short leash. He really is. And then so when you just sort of look at the whole landscape of the NFL, it's – especially this offseason, it was something this offseason had a feeling sort of like the MLB or the NBA. You never really had this sort of amplified, exciting offseason like this that we've ever seen in the NFL. And it was something that I, I could compare it to what happened in the NBA this last year to where you, you, looked at, you looked at the whole league and you were like, wow, you know, five to six different teams could be Super Bowl contenders or championship contenders, sort of, sort of how it was in the NBA where the Warriors were looked at as number one, where the Patriots were also looked up as number one. And then now you have all these different competitive teams that could really be fighting for a Super Bowl. And then so I just wanted to move on to the next subject of who do you think is the most improved team going into 2020? Yeah, it's a good question. And you're probably not going to like this answer because there might be the new champions of your division, but the mm-hmm. Buffalo Bills, I mean yep. – this was a team that was so, not in my opinion, but in the world's opinion, was so boring to watch. No one cared about the Buffalo Bills, but they went 10-6. and six. Um, Josh Allen had a pretty good year. Their defense was one of the best in the NFL. They made it to the playoffs. Yeah, they did choke away that wild card game against the Texans. They should have won that. But at the same time, this is, they improved by leaps and bounds in 2019. And I think they had a good offseason as well. They gave up a lot of picks for Stephon Diggs, but for the first time ever in his career, Josh Allen has his number one wide receiver. He's never played with the number one wide receiver before. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, he has the strongest arm in the NFL. Stephon Diggs knows how to get behind the secondary. So I think that's a really great fit there. Um, They've also put up some pieces on the edge uh, on defense, some some veterans like Mario Addison. Um, They lost Shaq Lawson, but I think they added some other pieces there. Um, so when you kind of look at the depth chart for the Bills, it's it's not like you see any glaring weaknesses. You know, they, they are another team that I probably chased after O.J. Howard as a security blanket for Josh Allen. But I think the Bills are going to win the AFC East. I think they'll get a postseason win under their belt. I like Sean McDermott. I like Josh Allen. People are sleeping on him. So I would say the Buffalo Bills. The other teams are probably the Arizona Cardinals with DeAndre Hopkins, kind of the same reasoning there. They, mm-hmm. do, they do have a lot more work they need to do on the defensive side of the ball. But, hey, Kyler Murray could be a superstar. So, if, as long as you have that, he could be the MVP. Um, you know, he's one of the early favorites to win the MVP award. So, the Arizona Cardinals are another one. And, and finally, I'll give you a wild card here. The Los Angeles Chargers. Now, we talked about them a lot. And the, the big question is obviously the quarterback position. If Tyrod Taylor is truly a starter or if it's going to be somebody else. But either way, that team dealt with injuries up and down the roster on both sides of the ball. 
And when they're 100% healthy, this is a team that was basically getting to the AFC Championship game with Phillip Rivers not too long ago. So you got great guys in the secondary like Derwin James, Asir Adderley. Uh, Austin Eckler has proven that he's, he's a pretty elite running back. I think that he can uh, open some more eyes in this season after he finally got his money. So the Los Angeles Chargers are another team to keep your eye on as well. I mean, the team that really stuck out to me, and it was the first team that you brought up with, with the Buffalo Bills, it's something where – as a Patriots fan, you, you know, I'm 21 years old now, and, and I've, I've really lived through the entire dynasty of, of the Patriots and, and really seen this Bills team, you know, lose left and right. And it's something where you look at the, that division as a Patriots fan and, you know, you hate New York. You just always have hated the Jets. The Dolphins come out of nowhere and beat you just out of, out of nowhere. So you got to hate them. And the Bills are just a team that have always been looked at as the worst team in the AFC East. And really, any time the Patriots play them, you know, they do beat them here and there. But it's, it's, it just doesn't, isn't a competition. And this past year, it was actually, like, really entertaining. And, and you know, quite honestly, if Josh Allen didn't get injured, they would have won that game. That's something that it was funny. I was watching. I was watching it with my friends, and if the Bills were just, you know, outplaying the Patriots on both sides of the ball, especially their defense, their defense third in the league, crazy, and they were still able to go ten and six. And then when they when I saw it, they got Stephon Diggs. I'm like, it's over, and they're going to be mm-hmm. Super Bowl contenders. You could you could definitely see it. And then especially like Thanksgiving, or it was either, yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it was Thanksgiving when Josh Allen. Just showed out. He just showed the entire world how good of a quarterback he is. And and when I first knew that Josh Allen was going to be one of potentially one of the best quarterbacks, you know, young quarterbacks going into this league was when he it was the NFL Combine. I remember he threw a ball eighty yards down the field. I'm like, I've never seen a guy do this, never. And with Stefan Diggs, I mean, it's going to be gross. And then when you add along Cole Beasley and John Brown, forget about it. It's over. I agree with you, man. Yeah, I'm excited to see them uh, work together. And then just one other team that, that I wanted to ask you about was the Dolphins. You know, this is a team that we brought up a little bit earlier in the show with, with their quarterback situation kind of up in the air. But, you know, they have 14 picks in the draft, you know, three of them in the first round. And then they also just spent $236 million in free agency. So I want to get your thoughts on some of the signings that, that they got and then sort of just where we could see this Dolphins team coming from a 5-11 and 11 team to potentially, you know, a winning franchise. It's a good point because you could also throw the Dolphins in that category of most improved heading into 2020. And, you know, when you think about it, that, that AFC East could be wide open. I mean, if mm-hmm. the Jets stay healthy, they could be okay maybe. The right. Dolphins could, be a, could have a winning record. And then you have the Bills coming off the 10-6 and six year. The Patriots have a really good defense still. They have a question at quarterback. That AFC East division might be really interesting to watch. But – with the Dolphins, I mean, I think they spent their money fairly wisely. I mean, Shaq Lawson, Byron Jones is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, even guy like Eric Flowers, a guy who's considered an NFL bust, uh, he was a guy who was a free agent. I was on the Redskins beat for a while, and I was like, wow, I hope we get him back as a starting guard because he actually performed fairly well in the 2019 season. But here come the Dolphins giving him like $10 million a year or something ridiculous. And I was like, well, the Redskins aren't going to match that. So Eric Flowers is a de- decent offensive guard. I- I've been impressed with what they've done so far. And like you said, they have 50, 100 picks in the NFL draft this week. So they have a, it, another opportunity, a bigger opportunity to improve even more in the NFL draft. And I like the head coach they got down there. You know, he, he's, a, he's bred straight from Bill Belichick. 
So this does seem like a team on the rise. I'm not necessarily sure if they can make the jump towards postseason unless a guy like Tua comes in and is a rookie of the year candidate. But they are on the right track, which which is what's really important, especially after the abysmal campaign last year. Yeah, I mean, the amount of money that they spent was crazy. But, they, you know, they had the cap space. And, it, and it's something where you look at what the Dolphins were able to do. You know, I, I saw them as a potential landing spot for Leonard Fournette, which I thought, wow, that'd be kind of interesting. And they also have Jordan Howard as well. And then you have Devontae Parker as well on, on the wide receiver core. But I just want to hear your thoughts on sort of how much money they spent and sort of the, how they valued each player. Because, you know, every, I saw like the different signings that they were having. I'm like, wow, this this is very surprising, and you know, good for them. You, it's it's obvious that with a losing team, you're gonna have to overspend. But it seemed like left and right analysts were just knocking them for spending too much money on guys left and right. And you know, a lot of people describe them as you know just spending money with their eyes closed and not really even just thinking about the value. Yeah, it's a good question. And to be honest with you, I don't I don't think that's true. I think that. They were in a really good, favorable situation, right? I mean, they had more cap space than anybody in the NFL, so they could do whatever they wanted. Now, they weren't trying to go out there and make every splash signing possible. I mean, of course, Byron Jones was definitely one, and they, they paid so much money to him. But, I mean, guys like Kyle Van Noy, Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Ogba, Eric Flowers, uh, the, these guys are people that they clearly targeted in free agency that they wanted to add to their roster and they wanted to add it to the roster without any composition from anybody else. So people will say they overpaid for them. That might be true. and You probably can't really fight them on that. But the bottom line is they improved. Sorry if they didn't have enough splash signings to your liking. But at the same, at the same time, these guys improved. And like you said, they have so many picks left in the NFL draft. So I really didn't have any I – don't, I don't understand the reason behind ragging on the Dolphins. Because remember last year the Colts had the most cap space in the NFL. They didn't do anything. They signed like Devin Funches and he broke, he, whatever, he got injured like week one. So mm-hmm. they had a big opportunity to go out there and improve and try to go get a Lombardi, uh, but they weren't able to do it. So I, I like seeing teams who have a lot of money become big spenders in free agency. I think it's good for the game. I think it's good for the franchise. I think it's good for the players. All these guys are getting more money than they probably would with any other team. So, but the bottom line is they're improving. That's all that matters. And they, can, they have a chance to improve even more in the NFL draft this league. Right. I mean, I, I looked at this whole Dolphins situation, sort of what the Browns were like in 2018 when they had the first three, you know, they had three picks in the NFL draft. And then they had like 100 and like 10, $108 million in cap space. And it was funny when I, when I used to be a big Cleveland Browns fan, you know, I, I, I stopped my whole Browns fandom after they, everybody was bandwagoning them, especially when OBJ came over there. I'm like, all right, well, if they, if they win, like, at least I said, at least I was a fan before they started winning. But it was just funny. Cause I, my, my friends were like, what? they just went own 16. How are they going to be good? I'm like, all right, let me just lay out the facts for you. And there's no way that they cannot be good. And obviously we, they, they haven't been able, you know, the Cleveland curse has really hurt them. But, you know, when you see it with, with this Dolphins team, I, I wrote an article about it this past week. I can see the Dolphins going 8-8. Eight and eight. I can see the Bills going like 12-4. and four. And then I said, that the, uh, I said that the Patriots would go 9-7. and seven. Yeah, I would probably have the Bills at like 11-5. and five. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I can't do the math in my head. But between right. the, they play each other twice every year. So. But I would say like, the, like Bills like 11-5. and five. Dolphins eight and eight could be their ceiling, maybe nine and seven if they're if two is an incredible. The Jets might be around that five hundred spot too. And when it comes to the Patriots, man, I really don't know. It's it's it really matters. It hinges on the quarterback position to me. I mean, they could be a team that 
I still am saying that they're going to have a winning record. I think they could be around that nine and seven. But again, from fourth to, to second in that division could be extremely tight. I mean, we're talking the difference between one or two games. Either way, I saw the Buffalo Bills uh, winning the championship, at least in terms of the uh, AFC East this year. Yeah, me as well. It'll be really interesting. And, and, you know, the competition in the NFL is crazy right now. And I'm really excited to not only see what happens in the NFL, but to see sort of how your reporting changes in this next year and the different sort of ideas that you can bring up. And so I'm curious, Jordan, especially with, with all this isolation and quarantining stuff, do you have any exciting stuff that the listeners can check out in the next week or so? Yeah, I actually do. Uh, it's, it's obviously been kind of an unprecedented time, but at the same time, it, it's, it's, it gives us a chance to really chase down an avenue that we don't have a lot of experience chasing, right? So um, Monday, I will be publishing an interview I had with a social security network analyst who's a professor at the University of South Carolina. Basically, the, the, the title of the, of the story is, Can the NFL Be Hacked? Like, what are the things that can go wrong with this all 100% virtual NFL draft? So we'll be talking a lot about Zoom, uh, people who aren't very tech-oriented, especially in the NFL. You know, what could go wrong with this draft? Um, also next week, uh, hopefully next week, I sat down with uh, Saints punter Thomas Morstead, who's actually on the uh, NFLPA executive board. So I, 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 I had a lot of questions for him about coronavirus because – if anyone knows if we're going to play football next year, like these guys are the NFLPA board too. And he had some interesting comments to me. I'll keep them to myself until I get them published. But we had a pretty good talk just about coronavirus, you know, how optimistic or pessimistic he is with this whole thing happening. And again, it, it might be a collective bargaining agreement because the, the league might want to play, but the CB, the guys on the CBA, the NFLPA might say, no, it's, it's too dangerous still. We don't even want to play in front of fans or whatnot. So we could have some more controversy coming down the line, but long story short, he, he's, he's kind of combating the coronavirus on the front lines. He works for this juice company. He has got immune boosters who like he delivers to heart hospitals with former Saints receiver Marcus Colston, who I plan on talking to this week. So yeah, we have some, we definitely have some very interesting stuff in the pipeline. CBS sports obviously has been affected financially with this entire pandemic, but at the same time, let me tell you, Jake, the NFL has been pulling their weight. We're pulling the weight when it comes to, uh, keeping the company upright and everything like that. Everybody's been very creative. It's been, it's been a crazy time, but it's been a lot of fun nonetheless. Yeah, I bet. I, especially, especially with the whole hacking conversation, that must be really interesting because I've heard a lot of stuff about that and it'd be crazy if that happened. And then especially with if the NFL could actually be able to have a season or not, especially with the whole changes in, you know, the 17 games potentially. And then, and then also, I remember I was thinking about, you know, just comparing, you know, the MLB being canceled to the NFL. It's thank God that the NFL only plays 16 games and it's not like the MLB where you're trying to get even like a hundred in or something like that, but it'll all be really interesting to see how that all pans out. But Jordan, I do really appreciate you coming on the show today and giving all your thoughts on all these different subjects and you, you can go out to all the listeners, go and check out Jordan's Twitter. He talks a lot about a lot of these different topics, a little bit more in depth at, at Jordan Deshani. And then you can also check out his page on CBS Sports. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
my guy. You're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.